Hey, you found us. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story, and we're going to get into the ASU-Oregon game and the fact that some writer picked us to win outright. Uh, we'll also talk about ASU basketball traveling to Connecticut to take on the Johnnies and potentially Virginia. Yeah. But first, Matt, Sal Point advanced to the Open Division semifinals. They're taking on the Chandler Wolves at Hamilton High School, which, yes. you know, is a stone's throw from Chandler High School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a neutral site in that it's not at Chandler's home stadium, but it certainly, um, you know, favors the higher state, and I guess that's what it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then the same for the other game, you know, the Saguaro's playing at, at Coronado High School in, Suar- in uh, Scottsdale. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Um, this might be the final game for coach Benet. It will be, yeah. be either his last or his second to last game. He, had, <laughs> he finished his. Uh, home football tenure with a victory. He's a career one seventy four and forty three. That that feels low. I think it's actually higher than that. Um, it might be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, you it's, know what? Uh, that was through twenty seventeen. So okay. I'm, well, you know, so it's and, another and what, uh, twelve and one last year, I believe, and and ten and zero so far this year. Yeah. So that's uh, a buck ninety six. I yeah, guess. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he has a special place for you and I, not just because he's the coach of our high school and he was the coach sure. when we were there, not that I played for him or, or did anything other than root for South Point. But, sure, sure. But we also started out our high school journalism careers together on the sports section for we the did. Crusader. and. Yeah, we did. Our first big interview was you, me, and Kevin Brady yep, with yep. Dennis Bennett. In his office there, uh, you know, just, just off the, the little parking lot there, and which I, I don't know if it's still his office. I know that parking lot is still there in spite of some changes to the school. Uh, you know, he had that, that little office there that was kind of like down the way from the locker room. So, yeah, 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 a, a season preview type of thing for the football team, I believe. And we... Talk to him. We asked him very important, very poignant, hard hitting oh, yeah. questions. Oh uh, yeah, it was like it was like you know Roy Firestone, Dan Patrick, all uh, the great interviewers of our time. That's what we were. It's weird because when they came out with the movie Frost Nixon, yeah, they they actually were probably modeling it as much on <laughs> our interview. That's right. That's as that, right. Um, but. The the great memory from that interview <laughs> is I'm laughing because I know what you're going to say before you say it is at at one point uh, the doctor was asked a question and in lieu of answering he considered and pondered by staring out the window of his office for uh-huh. somewhere between ten seconds and an hour. Um, yeah, it was probably closer to 10 seconds, but the awkwardness of the moment made it feel like an hour. Uh, but he was nothing but 
kind to us. He always was available for us to talk to. He was happy to help us out how he could. Yes, he was. Um, yep, yep, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, I knew him a little bit before in, in that role because I took his class freshman year. I don't think you were in that class, were you? No, Biology I class. was not. Um, uh, you know, at that point, we didn't know each other at all because you know, freshman, we we did not go to the same grade school or anything like that. So, um, but uh, you know, that was my very first class at South Point, first period freshman year uh both semesters and so you know the first uh classroom i stepped in at south point was was biology a and p there in senior patio even though we were freshmen the class was in senior patio with uh with dennis benet who at that time was the assistant coach for football second i think it was the second year as the assistant and then he got the head coaching job you know after that season when welker retired um you know and his class was good he was a good teacher i uh, don't know how much longer he kept teaching there. I don't think it was too long. Um, but, you know, he was a good teacher and certainly a heck of a football coach. Uh, what, what can you say? I mean, that record speaks for itself. The first ever state title for the school uh, in football, at least. I mean, we won in a lot of other sports, but never won one in football before him. Produced, you know, so many really, really good players and college players and uh, just a, a remarkable run. But, yeah, you know, getting back to what you said, always treated us well and you know I, you, you respect people like that because they didn't have to I mean we were high school students he could have he could have looked down on us and and I never got that feeling that he did well there were plenty of people who didn't uh without naming names the uh the men's <laughs> golf coach did not care for me at all <laughs> well he liked me uh but yeah he didn't like you all that much I guess yeah no. yeah that's uh you know uh, yeah yeah we'll uh, we'll leave that you know where it is um but yeah not not the greatest in that regard and and yeah uh, there were a few others who certainly you know were were not uh, as big a fans of of you or i as far as you know high school sports and that type of thing but that's the way it goes and you know when you when you write you put your name in print people are not always going to like what you put in there uh, now uh, you know it probably helped that when we covered the south point football team they were very good uh, all three of those years or two of those years for me uh, you know or mm-hmm. third for you and, um, and although by that last year you weren't really covering the team you were the you were the head honcho at that point but uh, but you know we, we didn't criticize them too much because there wasn't a whole lot to criticize um, you know the our junior year was the year they went undefeated and uh, you know got to you know had that had that great season the miracle win against Mountain View to finish the year when our sports only issue hung in the balance um, and they, they came back and Tanu's fair hat led a, a great comeback there on the road. Kevin Brady got stuck on the railing at Mountain View's football stadium <laughs> when he got his pants caught on the fence. Uh, another great memory, uh, you know, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, a lot of great memories of the early Doc Benet tenure. Obviously we haven't been there now for what, 15 years. Um, so, you know, those are the years that still stand out the most, but some really great teams since, uh, obviously 2013 being the best so far, but maybe this year will will end up being his best. Who knows? Uh, two more wins, I think, would assure that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Lancers take on the Chandler Wolves. If you are in the greater Phoenix area and you are not otherwise occupied tomorrow night, I encourage you to check that out. There is a Saturday night. Saturday night, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you, you know, yeah. depending on how that Oregon game goes. Uh, yeah, well, it's that way for me, uh, without a doubt. I'm I'm starting at the Oregon game, but I'm going to keep tabs and 
if the Oregon game isn't going great for the Devils and Sal points in the game, you know, at the end of the first quarter, I may be uh, heading heading toward Hamilton High School to see what's going on there. A lot of Division One talent there, but of course, a lot of Division One talent at Sun Devil Stadium, where there is indeed yes, where ASU is hosting the number six Oregon Ducks. Um, I'm going to root for ASU, and I know you are too, but is there some small part of you that's still holding out hope for an Oregon, uh, yes. you know, college football playoff? Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, it is, it's an odd scenario because, yeah, if, if ASU's got a chance to win in the fourth quarter, I will hope that ASU wins without question. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, is there? It's, it's more than a small part of me that is thinking I kind of want Oregon and Utah to both go 11-1 and one and have that Pac-12 title game in a couple of weeks, you know, really mean something and, you know, have a, have a decent chance, I think, for the winner to get in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a weird feeling. Yeah. Uh, the Devils are a two-touchdown underdog at home. Uh, the Ducks nine and one, seven and zero in conference. Justin Herbert now probably uh, right behind Joe Burrow for the top quarterback in the draft, given Tua's injury. Yeah, I suppose. Although, yeah, I mean that's the way it feels right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean they they uh, they bring plenty of talent in and a uh, you know a defense that really is is very very good. Uh, you know and and. It's kind of eye-opening how good they are because, you know, the, even the best Oregon teams of the last 10 to 15 years were not really known for their defense. They, no, it, they beat you with an overwhelming offense, and the defense was, you know, the benefactor of that offense. Yeah. Uh, this is a team that can win with defense. Yeah, this was often and in spite of the defense powerhouse, yeah. not yeah. because of. This yeah. defense, as you and I have talked about, is dominant. Uh, the USC and Washington State games, they gave up, and I guess Washington, they gave up a, a number of points yeah. managed to hang on to win. Uh, but that's three games that they did. Yeah. There are well, only the first half against USC. In the second half, they they shut them out. Uh, you know, they got, USC got a cheap touchdown at the end. But, boy, yeah, I mean, the first half, they didn't look great. The second half, it was domination. Yeah. Well, and we know what it's like to look really bad against USC for a half. <laughs> We do, we do, and yeah, they didn't. They didn't dig themselves out. They were down ten nothing, I believe, not twenty eight seven. And for them, it was more than enough to be able to come back. Um, so yeah, I mean, they've they've what? I think it's five or six games this year. They've they've allowed you know under ten points. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, so it's it's very impressive what they've done defensively. And uh, you know, they've got the kid who was one of, if not the top recruit in the country last year, Kayvon. I believe it's pronounced Thibodeau. Um, if I've heard that correctly on TV, uh, you know, supposed to be a big time player and he's kind of leading the way, but they got a lot of talent all over the defense and plenty on the offense too. Uh, you know, they, they've really, the, the passing game has come alive since Juwan Johnson got healthy. He missed the first few games, uh, but he's the transfer from Penn state. He's just opened up their passing game, which has then made their running game even more dangerous. Yeah. Um, I am not feeling very confident. Um, no, I don't know how you can be. Who was who was the writer who picked ASU to win? I didn't see that. Uh, it was Wilner, John Wilner. Uh, okay, the, was he the San Jose Mercury News guy? Yeah, the uh, he does the Wilmer Hotline or something. Yes, like that. yes, that's I right. Be- I yeah. believe it was yeah. him. 
but he was the only one who said that he thought we could win and win outright. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, it's it's a situation. That it's an interesting week because both Utah and, and Oregon are, you know, they're on the road. They got their rivalry game next week at home. Uh, you know, so you feel like, okay, you know, like this, if they're going to stumble, this this one makes more sense for them to stumble, you know, on the road. Uh, but I just don't see it. I just, I don't, you know, I mean, I, a different situation maybe. I mean, if ASU was playing with the confidence they had in, in you know, late September, early October, I'd say maybe so. But I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I think that's one of those where you're looking at it maybe on paper and not really looking at what the teams have done the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, my my pick, I'm, let's just get into our picks so that I don't sure. forget. Um, okay. My pick is the Ducks, and I don't think it's going to be particularly comfortable. I think our defense has struggled mightily of late, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm picking the Ducks 45-21. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm gonna go. I guess probably more like what they did with Arizona. So a little bit lower scoring, but you know, similar type margin. I think I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say 34 to 14. Yeah, it's hard to have much confidence right it now. It is. It is. I mean, look, this is a really good team. Like, regardless of what's happened with ASU and the struggles of late. This is the number six team in the country. They've lost one game, and that was a game they led the, the majority of it, uh, the large, large, large majority of it. They, you know, they, they led all the way. Basically, they scored, I think, on their second drive and didn't trail until less than a minute to go. Uh, when they, you know, they kind of melted down at the end with a couple of drives they gave up. But, uh, you know, it's good team, good defense, good quarterback, good running game. Uh, you know, this would be tough if ASU had been playing well all year. This was a game that, you know, at the beginning of the year, we talked about this one as being, wow, uh, you know, this team's supposed to be really good. That's a tough one. And, it, and it's, you know, certainly lived up to everything it was supposed to be in terms of their end of the deal. Uh, and then you factor in our struggles of late defensively, uh, bad starts offensively, bad starts defensively. And, it, you know, it feels like a game we cannot afford that. Like you really, you know, you to upset teams like this, you've got to, you got to get up to a good start and get them nervous. And if we're down, you know, 14 nothing in the first quarter, that feels like a death sentence. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple of stats that I've got I, I think are worth sharing. Oregon's defense, you've talked about how solid they've been. They're only allowing 306 yards per game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and went, uh, you know, I don't have the schedule in front of me. You might be looking at it. Um, I believe after the Auburn game, they went five straight games allowing one total touchdown. Um, and then, you know, last week, I know they didn't allow a touchdown. So, I mean, that, if I'm remembering that right, that's five five games they haven't allowed a touchdown. Six, they've allowed, you know, seven or less or something to that effect. So, you know, they're, they're good defensively and we know our offense, you know, it's shown the ability to score some points here and there against Oregon State, against Washington State. But it's, it's still not an offense that feels like it can, you know, produce against anybody. Like it feels like it needs a bad defense in order to do that. This is not that. Yeah. So I just, that's why I picked, you know, 14. Because I'm just like, I don't see this offense being good enough to, to score, you know, 28 plus. Yeah. Well, and I have the schedule as you suspected. I have the schedule okay. in front of me. And okay. 
And you are right, everything you said, which is Rain Man-esque of you. There you go. You okay. could, well, I remember it early in the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it was one of those that after, I can't remember who they played. Uh, it was before the Washington game, whoever they played before Washington. Colorado. And, and I remember, was it Colorado? Okay, yeah, that was, I think, a Thursday or Friday night. It was a weeknight game. It was Friday. And I, I watched some of it and then, you know, fell asleep before the end and I got, you know. And I remember looking at their numbers and thinking, Yowza, they, you know, like since Auburn, they they barely allowed any points. And I, you know, I look back at each game like, wow, they've allowed one touchdown. And then Washington actually had some success against them. I mean, Washington was up, I think, fourteen maybe on them in the second half. Um, you know, and and made their defense look a little vulnerable. So did Washington State, but they won both games. And now late, you know, of late, they've kind of turned it back around. Yeah. Well. They played those two games tight. That you know, Washington was thirty-five, thirty-one. Washington State thirty-seven, thirty-five. Which they had to come back to win both. You know, mm-hmm. past the past the test. I mean, look, every every team has it. Every team has a game or two where you know the season kind of hangs in the balance. And you know, for Clemson, it was that North Carolina game. Uh, Ohio State hasn't had it yet, but you have to feel like it might be coming these next two weeks. One of one of, if not both, where you know you gotta you gotta win a tough game late, and Oregon, you know, passed those tests. Winning at Washington was huge for them. Um, you know, that's that's a big rivalry, and Washington had everything going, and they came back and won, and then surviving against Washington State, and you know, now here they are sitting in pretty good shape. I mean, they're six, but you look at you know you've got Georgia at four, but Georgia still has to play LSU, so you feel like there's an opportunity there uh, for you know especially if LSU beats Georgia, Georgia probably falls. And with Alabama having to go to Auburn without Tua, you know, there feels like an opportunity if Oregon can win the last two and then win that title game that the road is clear somewhat for them to get in that top four. Yeah. I I have to be honest. We went and saw Alabama. Yeah. If Oregon wins out, they have to leapfrog Alabama. I agree. I agree. Just I agree. To. I mean, now, I mean, I know the talking point will be, well, okay, if Oregon and Alabama each have one loss and Alabama beats Auburn and Oregon lost to Auburn. But I just think that, you know, like the transitive property is not really a great thing to use in football. Well, because and you not can, from you can week use one that. to week 12. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, I mean, and now I will be surprised if Alabama beats Auburn at Auburn. Uh, and I might have said that if Tua was healthy, because Auburn's got a really good defense. Um, and now, especially if, if they can get them into a, you know, the one thing you thought with Tua was, well, if they could put up 24, 28 points, I don't know if Auburn can. Mm-hmm. Now you feel like that's a game that plays into Auburn's pants. You know, I mean, they, they, the great defensive line, great, you know, pass rush, like it just feels like that's their game to do something with this season. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, Auburn fans expect 12 and 0 every year, but if they can win in the iron bowl and finish it off, like it makes everybody feel better there. Um, so I, I will be surprised if they do, but if they do, it's going to be an interesting conversation because, you know, I mean, it's, it, we look at these things before they happen, but if Alabama goes in there and, and is impressive in beating Auburn, I mean, what if they do, what if they go in there and they win by, you know, 17, 20 points, that's an eye opener because it was like, whoa, you know, maybe this team isn't just a one man show and maybe they deserve that chance to get back in there. Um, I don't know, you know, but I, I agree with you. I mean, they always say they, they reward conference champions. 
if if the teams are comparable. So if Oregon is twelve and one with a Pac twelve conference championship, it feels like that should weigh in heavier. Yeah, but we'll see. You know, I mean, uh, it's a you know, there's still things that could throw this off kilter. What if what if Georgia beats LSU? Uh, you know, LSU is probably going to win any battle of you know one loss teams. You know, Georgia beats LSU and, and is twelve and one, and so and LSU is twelve and one. With the wins LSU had, it's going to be hard to keep them out. Yeah, I, LSU should go. I I think that. They, I mean, if they, they win their last two regular season games, I feel like they go into that SEC title game pretty assured of making it. It's just a matter of you know where will they be seated and who will they play. Yeah, yeah. But then you know what if what if Ohio State loses to Penn State? And beats Michigan, and they finish eleven and one, same as Alabama potentially. Ohio State probably rates higher than Alabama. You know, if if you're rating them relatively, if they're both eleven and one and left out of their conference title game, they probably win that beauty contest. I would think. I would think so too. You... They've had a better year, uh, you know, and and they each have potentially a home loss. In Penn State's, you know, playing at Ohio State, but Alabama lost at home to LSU. A home loss to another, you know, top five caliber team. Like, you know, it's hard to separate those two. Yeah, I mean, I think right now you can say Clemson's probably in, and LSU's I mean, probably in. Yeah, you know, if if things play out according to form, which you know, we're I, at least I'm used to thinking, don't expect that. But the last few years, that's kind of been what's happened. Uh, you know, conference title games there haven't been really been any massive upsets, but. In the early years of the conference title game, it seemed like there always was one. And so I'm always thinking, well, you never know. But, it, you know, if they play out according to expectation, I think, you know, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson have three of the four spots. If they each win their remaining games, they're going. And then that fourth spot is up for grabs. But if any of those things don't happen, then the conversation becomes different. So, I mean, I think if you're Oregon, you're, you're rooting for that. You know, and the same for Utah. You're rooting for Clemson. Ohio State, LSU, win their games, all finish thirteen and zero, and then let's let's take our chances with getting that fourth spot as a one loss Pac twelve champion. Yeah, yeah, um, but we'll see, we'll see. You know, three, two more weeks of regular season games, and then conference title games, and then we'll know for sure one way or the other. I guess if we lose to Oregon, I will be rooting for Oregon and Utah. If we beat Oregon, I will be rooting only for Utah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. It, it feels like, and I don't think this is really fair, but it feels like Oregon has a better chance. Uh, let, let's you know, let's play out the scenarios. It's it's you know, eleven and one Alabama against twelve and one Oregon. They have a better chance of winning that than a twelve and one Utah team does. I, I you know. And that's perception. It's it's you know history of the program. It's the way they play. Um, if it's if Utah beats Oregon, I'm not sure they get in. But if Oregon beats Utah, I think they would. Probably not fair, but that's how it feels to me, at least. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I, I no one is talking about Utah other than no, they're Utah. Not. They're, and, they're and they should be because it's a good team. I mean, it's a great defense. We, gosh, we had to deal with it, you know, and they've done it to other teams too. Um, but it just feels like, you know, they're Utah. It feels like Utah is kind of being looked at the same way Minnesota and Baylor are, which is like, oh, yeah, that's nice. They're in the top 10. But no one's really legitimately looking at them as a top four caliber team. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. It, it's interesting because Utah wasn't that much further removed from their heyday than Oregon is. But, but Oregon has right. kind of maintained the, you know, aura of, yeah. you yeah. know, being. I mean, or- Oregon's got, you know, it's got sex appeal in a way. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's Nike, it's fast paced, it's at Austin Stadium. They've played in national championship games. They've had a Heisman winner. You know, there's, there's something. I mean, Oregon's not USC. But on the on the ranking of you know prestige in the Pac-12, Oregon I think would be second, you know, uh, in the last two decades behind SC. Um, and Utah's just not. Utah I think is still looked at in the same way that some in some ways TCU is, which is, oh yeah, that's that's nice. They've they've made the transition to a power conference and they're doing well. That's nice. But mm-hmm. no one's really ready to accept like they might be really good. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe even more so to TCU because TCU benefits from Texas. You know, they're in Dallas, they're in Texas. Yeah, you know, and, and they they were in a major conference before the you know the fall of the Southwest Conference, and, and they, they were kind of left out. You know, ironically enough, they play on networks that you can see. True, that uh, that makes a difference too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just feel like you know, and again, it's it's totally not fair, but I feel like if both teams are eleven and one. If you're a, if you're somebody who just wants the Pac-12 to be in, you should root for Oregon because I think a 12 and one Utah team is much easier to leave out. They'll use the rationale of ah oh, their non-conference schedule wasn't that good, but when it comes down to is if there's if there's a contest between Alabama and Utah, Alabama's going to win that mm-hmm. simply because they're Alabama. But Alabama Oregon not so sure. You know Oregon's got the quarterback prospect and they've got the you know recent history and like oh yeah yeah oregon sure they deserve it utah eh, probably not yeah um let's flip over now and talk about men's basketball where the sun devils are partaking in the air force reserve basketball hall of fame tip-off which is a lot of words to say for a casino tournament in connecticut yeah, that's about right. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, another another matchup with St. John's. So it feels like we, you know, we we might as well be in the same conference as St. John's. Haven't we played them like three or four years in a row now? This Either feels like when we had, in, this is exactly like the run we had with Marquette, where you yes, just yes, like, just, yeah, we're, we're, we played them. Then we played them in L.A. a couple years ago. Yeah, and then last year we played them in the tournament in the first four. Now we get them again. Uh, so you know. New coach for them. Who who is their new coach, by the way? Do you remember? Uh, I don't. I remember they couldn't give the job away. Basically, I mean, like it was you know, Mullen got fired, and of course, the early rumor was Hurley, which didn't happen. Um, is it Mike Anderson? Am I remembering that right? It is Mike old, Anderson, uh, Arkansas Missouri coach. Okay, it is. I thought Mike he ended Anderson. up taking it, but I wasn't a hundred percent confident on that. He was previously the head coach at UAB. Oh gosh, he was at UAB before. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, Missouri, Arkansas, he was at Missouri and, and, Arkansas. and UAB. I remember that. Okay. Hmm. All right then. I knew he was at Missouri because when they came to the when they were in the Elite Eight down here in two thousand nine, he was the Missouri coach when they played. Uh, well, and, and I should be clear, he, that was his first head coaching stop. 
It was oh, UAB, okay. Okay. then Missouri, then Arkansas. He was at Arkansas last year, I think, wasn't yes. he? Yes. He got fired, and they hired um, Musselman mm-hmm. in another you know small world, former ASU assistant Eric Musselman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows with them? They're you know, I looked at what they've done. They're they got one loss to Vermont, which you look at on paper and think, eh. But Vermont almost beat Virginia a few nights ago. So look, Vermont, obviously, a pretty good team. The Catamounts are for real. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're always good. They seem to get in the tournament, you know, every year, or they're in the final of their conference tournament at least. Uh, you know, and, and here's the thing about St. John's. They their wins are also unimpressive. They beat Mercer, they are. Yes. Uh, Central Connecticut State, New Hampshire, and Columbia. So yeah, yeah, they haven't played anybody good. So it's hard. I mean, at this stage of the year, even if you have played a good team or two, it's hard because you know. I mean, I just watched you know Georgetown beat up Texas tonight. Georgetown only good opponent so far this year was Penn State. They got blown out by Penn State. Then they beat Texas. So it's like you never know who, what teams are this time of season. But but uh, I'm hoping we can get this win because you figure Virginia is going to beat UMass in the other game. I think that's you know fairly safe bet. Is and, UMass in this the way uh, the tournament in the in Maui is like Chaminade? Yeah, is UMass in this in be, because they're in Uncasville? Because it's it's you know the Northeast and and the basketball Hall of Fame is actually in Massachusetts. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, I, I would guess that has something to do with it. I mean, it's been a while since UMass has been good. I, I mean, yeah, Calipari I mean, and Marcus Camby were there, I mean, and that's, there's not that's any. The last time they were great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, which was what 1996. Yeah, when they made the Final Four, I believe. And uh, uh, you know, you but you wouldn't know it to look in the rafters. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Which is stupid, but, but, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I'm trying to think if they've even been a tournament count. Are they still in the A10? I think they are. Right. I don't in know basketball. where else they would. You know, they've got nowhere else to go. It's hard to remember with conferences. Uh, you know, like all this conference shakeup. So many of these teams, especially the East Coast team, like, uh, where are they now? I think they're still in the they're A10. In the, they're knows? in the A10. You're right. They are? Okay, okay. I mean, the A-10 has changed so much in the last 10 years, uh, you know, since all the shakeups and teams that were in there are not in there and teams that weren't there, like Davidson's in the A-10 now. Okay, uh, you know, VCU's in the A-10, I believe. Um, hard to keep up, but bottom line, UMass, not very good. So you figure Virginia's going to win that. I look at this as probably a pretty good chance we're coming out of this weekend one and one and so I'd rather go one and one with a loss to Virginia than a loss to St. John's. Yeah. Uh, as I look at this, in the Calipari era, they went 10 and 18, and then the run 17 and 14 yeah. NIT, 20 and 13 NIT fourth place, 30 and 5 Sweet 16, 24 and 7 second round, 28 and 7 second round, 29 and 5 Elite Eight. 35 and 2 adjusted to 31 and 1. <laughs> final 4 vacated. They yeah, were also we'll, the we'll say final 4. Yeah, yeah. They were also the 5 time 5 time 5 time A10 regular season <laughs> and tournament champions. In the spirit of Booker T. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I'm I'm looking as we talk and it appears since then they've made the tournament well three times but two of those were the two years after he left. So yes. one tournament appearance since 1998. Correct. 
Yeah, and not been out of the first round. So my memory is correct. It, they haven't been very good of late. So they're going to need to improve uh, for this game yeah. to matter for us if we wind up playing them. The best exactly. case scenario for everyone involved with ASU is to get the win over the Johnnies and then take yes. our chances against Virginia. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, a few years ago we played Kentucky, um, you know, when they were number one. You know, obviously the last couple of years we played Kansas when they, you know, last year they were number one. I think the year before they were in the top five. You know, we won those games. We got blown out by Kentucky that year. But yeah. all of those you feel like, you know, let's let's take your shot. You know, Virginia's not number one, but they are the defending champs. They are going to be very good again this year because they always are with, with Bennett and the way they play. Um, and, and so, let's, you know, let's see. Like, you know, if you, if you get embarrassed, well, then, you know, you got to get better the rest of the year. And maybe you hang with them and, you know, you feel like, wow, okay, we got something special here this year. Who knows? Um, I'd rather, like I said, if you're going to come out of the weekend one and one, let's win the first and lose to Virginia than the opposite. Yeah. Uh, this is part of a prolonged absence from the bank, whatever name, right. you know, of EFA the, or whatever they're calling it now. Yeah. But uh, after this tournament, they're at Princeton on the twenty sixth, and then at UF on December third. They don't play again at home no. until December seventh. Seventh, right? Yeah, yeah. Who who is the seventh? I'm trying to remember who is is that? The a- Ragin Cajuns. That's right. Relatively not because the fourteenth is Georgia. The fourteenth is, is Georgia. Game and the eighth, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I mean the schedule. This is an interesting turn, especially if they miss Virginia because we don't have the marquee game. There's no, True. you know, True. Xavier, Kansas, et cetera, et Kentucky. cetera. Yeah, but yeah. but starting in mid December, Georgia, St. Mary's, Creighton. Yeah, three in yeah. a row, which all, are three which are respectable games. Two, two are at home and one is at, at uh, America West slash U.S. Airways slash Talking Stick Resort Arena, whatever you want to call it today. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are good opponents. And, and you know, you think, I don't know about Georgia, I don't know how good Georgia is expected to be overall, but they got, you know, they got Edwards, who's a big time player, you know, top five draft prospects supposed to be. And St. Mary's and Creighton are always teams that are around the tournament. You know, you always you always look up in March and both those teams are good and making runs toward the tournament, it seems like. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, this weekend will be an interesting test. It's not the be all end all, but if they come out of this zero and two, big big problems. But then it's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you definitely don't want that. I mean, I guess I guess the only way that that would be somewhat uh, acceptable, if you want to put that in, you know, quotes, is if somehow UMass beats Virginia and we lose to St. John's, and your consolation game is against Virginia, then you might look at that a little different. But I don't expect that to happen. Yes, I, I would not suspect that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah, I mean, and then what is it? It's uh, Tuesday night. We play Princeton, right? So three games in four days. Yeah, and I think that you can expect a su- story somewhere between Wednesday and Friday about how the team all had Thanksgiving dinner at Bobby Hurley's family's house. <laughs> and then, Probably so. Then early December, you'll find out that our entire team is suspended due to NCAA <laughs> violations. Because he's considered a booster. Yep. Yep, yep. We're all suspended and we all have to give charitable donations in the amount of what that dinner was valued at. I think that the uh, the most humorous take on the Wiseman things was yeah. 
you know, and by humorous, I mean the the I I thought that it was a good point presented in a funny way, but uh-huh. the idea that this kid, he's a kid, yeah, had a family that needed help moving, and it they had to borrow or accept eleven thousand yeah. five hundred dollars, so they did not have eleven thousand five hundred dollars. Right. He now is eligible in January once he pays back $11,500 to charity. Well, how in the world is he getting it? I know. I know. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's laughable to to do that. I mean, for for the NCAA to essentially fine someone because that's essentially what it is. You know, you have to pay this money, maybe not to us, but to, you know, whoever you want, but you have to pay this money. But you can't make any money. Like, I mean, could could there be any more hypocrisy than that? I'm not sure there could. Well, and, and now once he comes up with this eleven thousand five hundred dollars, don't you immediately, if we're if we're going to follow the farce, don't uh-huh. you immediately chase down this where he got the source money? Yeah, and probably. figure out uh, how how did his family get this money? Yeah, you know, yeah. is mean, the school going to start taking collections on his behalf? Because that's improper. I was going to say, can he get can he get the money loaned to him from Penny Hardaway and then pay him back once he gets drafted? Is that possible? Yeah, I mean, because look, just a circuitous route. It, very shortly, he's going to have eleven thousand five hundred. He's going to have a lot more than that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would like to see. Honestly, I would really like to see this element of it be challenged. How can they enforce that? How can how can the NCAA say you can't? I mean, what I'd like to see Memphis do is say, yeah, you know what? He'll get to that in June after he gets drafted, and then I'd like to see him, you know, send the NCAA a picture of him flipping him off and say, no, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do what I want with my money because I'm not under your purview anymore. Yeah, it's, I mean, I really just don't get that. How can you enforce that? And, and I don't think you can. I think that's the point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the whole the whole thing has kind of opened up some some notice for me of like, you know, again, I mean, the the initial, you know, they say he's ineligible, and Memphis says, no, nah, he's not. We're playing him anyway, and and then they kind of gave in. But like, what is to prevent Memphis from just saying we're bringing him back? Well, you know, I, I, what, what are you going to do? Well, gonna, here's the thing: stop the game. Yeah. If if ultimately we we're just talking about this with UMass, but. If ultimately they tell Memphis, you have to forfeit these games, well, they're okay. still selling the tickets. They're, exactly. They're still recruiting the players. They're still selling the soda and the parking mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, the jerseys that don't exactly. have his name on it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. The whole thing, I mean, you said it, it's a farce. Um, and, and it's just, uh, but I, I read it. Whatever day that was, was it yesterday or the day before? I read it at work and I thought, is this for real? I mean, this is essentially the NCAA finding someone, which I don't think I've ever heard before, finding a player, considering that they tell you that the players are not allowed to make money, you know, in any capacity, including apparently getting a loan from a family friend to, you know, fly a girlfriend to a bowl game because that somehow constitutes an extra benefit, even though any student in the, you know, in the nation could and it'd be fine, but a student athlete can't, I guess. I mean, I just, I don't know, can't get my head around it. Yeah. The, 
if you ever want to not be able to fall asleep, try to complete the logical <laughs> circle yeah, for yeah. the NCAA. Uh-huh. In so many ways. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, uh, I don't quite get it. And, and, you know, it just, it just seems like we, we constantly do this where it's like, you know, and, and I, I, trust me, I hope it happens sometime when we look and say, you know, these schools are, and programs are going to rise up and say no more, but it seems like, it seems like no one has the guts to actually do it. Like it's going to take a lot of people coming together to do it. So we kind of, you know, we all sit around and say, ah, oh, this isn't going to last much longer, but it feels like we said that five years ago and 10 years ago and 15 years ago, and we're still doing the same dance. Well, what I've noticed now, and Memphis did it, obviously we just talked about with Wiseman, but we had it in the tournament too with Arizona and Kansas and, and all these schools saying, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. we got in now, so we're going right. to, you know, we're right. not going right. to ban ourselves. We're not going to self-punish anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And dare yeah, you I mean, this- to do it. I agree. I mean, that seems to have been the reaction from, I mean, everybody but Louisville. And Louisville, I think, only fired Patino because he had so many other issues prior to that. But, you know, it feels like Kansas and Arizona especially are kind of just taking the approach of, like, come on, come get us, you know, big deal. You know, we're going to just keep doing what we do. We're going to have, you know, we're going to recruit top players. We're going to have Snoop Dogg perform with his dancing girls. Uh, you know, we're going to make promo videos about it where our coach is wearing gold chains and we're going to do it unapologetically, apparently. Yeah. It's interesting because I think they have concluded, and rightly so, that the upside far outweighs the downside. Yeah, I you think know? so too, yeah. What, yeah, what, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to take away wins? Well, after the game's over... Who cares? Yeah, and, yeah. and certainly after the season's over. Right. I mean, that's one of those... And, and it's funny that we're, you know, we're having that, we always have that conversation in college sport. Oh, they're going to have to vacate that title or that final four or that bowl game. And it's like, we don't talk about that in any other sport when there's, con- you know, I mean, the Astros are obviously at the very center of all this controversy about cheating. And, but is anybody really legitimately like, oh, you know, they're going to strip them of their World Series? No. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's not going to happen because they won the World Series. What, what are they going to do? You know? So it, this is only a college punishment, and it just makes no sense. Yeah. I, I wonder what they will do to the Astros. My assumption is it's going to be things that you won't notice forever. Probably. Um, Probably, yeah. Because yeah. you know what they're not going to do is force the Astros into a salary cap. So no, they'll take, away their, they'll take away their international money. And they'll say, take away know, draft can, picks, and you know what? They can take away some draft picks. Yeah, they can the, suspend Lunell or, or Hinch for you know twenty five games or something like that. I could see that. But, yeah, I guess yeah. you could give the death penalty to the coaches. Yeah, but I mean, can you can you force? Could you force the Astros to fire Hinch or Lunell? You know, I, I don't think you can. They're their employee. You could suspend them, and I think they'll probably do that. But, you know, it's like, do they really have the ability to say this guy's not allowed to coach or, or you know, work in the front office? I mean, I guess they do. You know, they, they do with well, Rose. I, I, that's know. what I was going to say. They're, what they'd have to do and they'd have to commit to it is a, a lifetime ban for cheating. Yeah. And for, yeah. for blatant yeah. cheating. Right. And right. Which I don't expect. I just don't. I mean, yeah, who knows? You know, I mean, if this goes 
deep. But I guess the question then is, and I, and I mean, it's already the whispers have already st- like how many other teams are doing similar type of things. It's hard to believe the Astros are the only one of thirty teams that figured out this ingenious plan to you know have a camera in the outfield and bang on a trash can. Like I, I mean, I don't believe that's the case. Yeah, I you know. I have to walk a fine line because obviously one of the early reports was that it was the Brewers right. and the Rangers with the Astros. Right. And, right. you know, right. if you're yeah, you know. if you're looking for my defense of that and why the Brewers could have been better if they were, you know, because of this, well, the Rangers have sucked. So, you know, they have. <laughs> so it doesn't, yeah, yeah. it I mean, doesn't solve I everything. I, I don't personally buy, I mean, look, I mean, if, if it's against the rules, then they should be punished for it. But sign stealing and the like has been going on in baseball forever. And, and, you know, I mean that, the, the objective and it's, I mean, it's the same, this controversy came up with Todd Graham when he was the ASU coach and Mike Leach and Mark Helfrich, you know, as like, dude, if you aren't smart enough to, to have your signs be hard to decode, is that on the other coach for figuring them out? Or is that on you? I feel like it's on you. And, and, you know, there's all this story about what the Nationals did to, to, you know, supposedly throw off what the Astros tried to do to steal signs. And obviously it worked pretty well because they beat them. But, you know, so, like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, should you have to do that? Maybe, maybe not. But, look, that's the way it is. I mean, if they were electronically doing it and you're not supposed to, then they should be punished for it. But I yeah. don't think this is, like, the end of the world. And, and you know, like you said, you know, that they should ban somebody for life. I mean, come on. Like, Cheat, cheating and baseball have been synonymous since the game was invented. <laughs> you know, so yeah. this is just another way. The reason why they put a second umpire in the game is because when they only had one, guys would cut between first and third without right. getting near second. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's there's just – and that's why I always, you know, get, get sort of annoyed about the whole steroid. Oh, they cheated. They cheated. Like, uh, if we want to start the friend of anybody who cheated – you know, he's out of the Hall of Fame. You better get ready to take a lot of people out that are already in, because you know, cheating well, is cheating, right? You know, we've, so we've made some spitballers beloved. So exactly, exactly, yeah. You know, I mean, like that's it's probably every sport, but I think baseball, probably more than any sport, has been known for its ways of cheating, bending the rules slash breaking the rules to your advantage. Now, football is it too. I mean, Fred Belitnikoff and the Stickum, you know, uh, I mean, you know, they used to show him on the sidelines with, you know, stuff dripping off his arms that would help him catch passes. You know, so, I mean, every sport has it. And they Uh, named the award after him. (laughs) They did. They did. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame, you know, college and pro, and he's revered. Um, So, yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's, everybody's always trying to take advantage. And yeah, I mean, you know, I know we've, we've, we've kind of, gotten on to another subject but the, the, you know do I do I think that they should punish the Astros if they found they were breaking the rules yes I'm not saying they should just totally forget about it but I also don't think it's it's the you know do I think it needs to be you know the downfall of everyone in the Astros organization now um, you know I mean now they are making a lot of enemies for a lot of reasons not just this um, but you know like they, they found if they found a creative way to figure out what the other team's doing, eh, everybody's trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And if you can know what your opponent's going to do, it makes it a whole lot easier to win that game. And and that's what everybody's trying to do. That's why teams study film. That's why teams, you know, 
watch tendencies and things like that so that they can see, oh, on second and eight, they like to run this play. Uh, you know, now, do you have to follow the rules? Yes. But in the end, I think that's all this was. Mm-hmm. And and that's why there will be a punishment, and there should be. There a will be, and there should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they broke the rules. It seems like uh, you know, it seems pretty clear that they did. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think that baseball is going to hammer them because I think you know that one, it's probably not that big a deal, and two, it's probably being done by a number of other teams. It's just it's hard to believe that only one of thirty organizations figured out. Hey, you know what we could do is this, you know, I mean, there's probably other schemes going on that other organizations right now are thinking, Oh boy, hope they don't find out what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bad when someone else does it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, going back to the comparison to college, I just, you know, I, I'd find it funny, you know, that no one is really, you know, seriously saying, oh, you know what baseball is going to do is take away the wins in that World Series, because who cares? Nobody cares. Well, uh, you know, like... That, and they absolutely a, won't do that, so... No, they will not. And it's a totally hollow punishment. If they did, that's why they won't do it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not the biggest Major League Baseball advocate, as you know, um, you know, but you know, like, hopefully the reason they wouldn't do it is because they realize this is stupid. It yeah. makes no difference because you know what they are. They, all those players got that money from winning the World Series. That you know the Astros benefit. Like it's not going back. Mm-hmm. So if you you know you make them take down their banner in the outfield, who really cares? Yeah. The uh, and by the way, you're going to want them to sell the shirts. So you are <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you know so it's it's you know whatever. But by the way, uh, yeah. B- before we wrap up. Uh, and before we wrap up on problems with baseball, yes. uh, I'll, allow me a, a mini rant. There are reports okay. of a plan to, quote, streamline, close quote, minor league baseball. Minor league baseball, yep. And, Which, uh, that was one of the things I was referring to with the Astros because they appear to be at the forefront of this plan. Yeah, and the streamlining is designed to pay minor leaguers more. And to limit the draft to guys who actually have a chance of ever going pro, because obviously yeah. stories like Mike Piazza are not true. So that's Which fine. They've already cut back. Yeah. You know, it's what forty rounds now, and it used to be seventy-five or something like that. Well, it so. was fifty not that long ago. Not that long ago, it was fifty. Yeah, yeah, you're so, right. You know, um, but. We're also just you know saying, well, teams are moving around, which makes travel hard and. It makes these well. You know what? Major League Baseball is not the NBA and it's not the NFL, but it it sure is profitable. And in an yes. era where the only thing on live TV that people don't DVR is sports, yeah. nothing provides you more than Major League Baseball. There is more uh-huh. games in a Major League True. Baseball season than any other season, so they can True. sell their True. rights per game for way less and still make a bunch of money. Very and True. There are a large number of teams that are buying up their minor league affiliates. The Red Sox, for example, are doing it all over. Mm -hmm. And to now blame the independent owners for what has happened is a farce. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a great article talking about the Lexington legends and what they've done for the community and how they keep their things low and they're an affordable activity and they're engaged uh-huh. in everything. They do all the fundraisers and everything. 
it is a tremendous benefit to the communities that it's in to have minor league baseball. Sure, sure. And there are plenty of packs of cards of minor league teams from a given season that don't have a major leaguer or no more than one major leaguer guy who got a cup of coffee. They're not worth anything. The ability to see the game and enjoy the game in person in a town that's not a big league town or when you're near a big league town but can't afford big league prices is Mm -hmm. fundamental to maintaining interest in the sport. Interest in the game. I agree with you. Yeah. And so this whole plan is as short-sighted as it is asinine to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, and your point is, as you were saying it, I, you know, they were talking about this on PTI a couple of days ago, and Wilbon, I think it was, although Kornheiser agreed with him, made the point, kind of what you're saying, that, you know, baseball's been really, you know, outspoken. People talk, oh, you, you know, we got to get young fans involved. we got to get interest. we got to keep kids interested in baseball and not just have, you know, 50-plus-year-old fans. And how do you build those fans? Well, you build them, you know, in, in city, you know, they were talking about how they both grew up in, you know, major league areas, but you know, you got a lot of young fans who grow up where they can't get to a major league stadium, or as you said, maybe financially, it's not possible. Um, and you take away, you know, I mean, Iowa is one of the States that this is being, you know, cause they have a bunch of, of minor league teams and I know like three of the five are potentially on the list that would go away. And there is no major league team in Iowa. And, and so if you want to be exposed to baseball, it's, you know, it's Cedar Rapids, it's Burlington, it's, uh, you know, there is a team in Des Moines, AAA team, but it's the small town, Clinton, I think, has a team. Yeah, they do. And you start, you know, you start taking those teams away and it, like, it seems self-defeating. Now, is the kid who grows up in Clinton, you know, the, the you know, the, the market that necessarily, you know, the suits in Major League Baseball are concerned about? Maybe not, but they should be because... Every fan you can get helps, right? I mean, you know, every every kid who might go to a game when they're seven years old and think, God, this is great, and I'm going to be a baseball fan, you know, like you need that because kids aren't really, you know, going in droves to, to watch baseball. They're not that interested in it. So if you can get some, that's better than none. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's it short-sighted, I think, is a good way to put it. Um, it just like, it seems self-defeating and it just doesn't seem to have that much benefit either. No, I, you know, I grew up luckily and thankfully in a minor league baseball town with, I, I with, was going to say, I mean, we were that, you know, we were in a minor league baseball market and, 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 you know, the diamondbacks didn't exist until we were teenagers. Yeah. So when we were little kids, that was the team you could go see. You had to go out of state to see a major league game. Well, and my parents would take us there and, you know, you could get four tickets for 20 bucks back then to get into the stadium. Yeah. And there's not a bad seat because there's only 7,000 seats. There's only so many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a different feel. I mean, you know, there's there's something. I mean, I remember going to minor league baseball games, Toros games, and then Sidewinders games, the promotions and stuff they did and. And, and, you know, there's just a different feel to minor league baseball versus major league baseball. You know, it just is. And, and some of it is like, oh, God, this, this stuff is, you know, lame. But, but at the same time, that's what makes it interesting is the, you know, the, the, the dumb things they come up with and the, you know, the, the 
themes they have and the different uniforms and like that's what is kind of the romantic feeling of it basically yeah. um and you lose some of that if you if you start slashing and, and again you just you know you're taking away opportunities to get fans invested what mm. you're basically saying is you know we're only interested in you fans and you fans in these small towns like eh, who cares uh, you know we're, we're not interested in you and i Baseball, I don't think, should be in the position of telling any fans that, you know, well, we're not really interested in you. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a dangerous game to play. I absolutely agree. I, I think it is terrible. I, I just yeah. think that I think the plan is terrible. I think that, that what it's doing to these towns, like, look, I love Tucson. I, I loved growing up there. I think it's a great yeah. place to be a kid. It's a great place to be a family. My parents and brother and his wife all still live there. Sure. But there's now less to do in summer because there's there not is. the Toros. That you true, know, true. there's one less thing to do. Well, Tucson still has U of A. Right, Some of these towns right. we're talking about, the minor league baseball team is what they got. Agreed. Yeah, I mean Tucson's not really a town that Tucson's a U of A town. You know, I mean the Toros were big when when you know before the Diamondbacks. Um, and they played at High Corbett, yeah, you know. But yeah, Tucson's not necessarily a town you point to and say, you know, boy, minor league baseball, you know, really, you know, thrived there, and then the city needed it. Um, but yeah, you know, it, Tucson's different. It's, it's a bigger city. It's got a major college. I mean, you, you look at some of these towns in the Midwest and stuff like that, for example, or in the Northeast, they don't have college sports. Or they have college sports, but maybe, you know, it's it's Binghamton and they're playing, you know, they're playing small college. They don't have football yeah. that, you know, you're not you're not really living off of Binghamton Bearcat sports. Yeah. Uh, well, I know, mean, I like mean, I think about like baseball Beloit, team big. you know, I think about Beloit, Wisconsin. The Beloit snappers yes. are are the thing there. Look, Beloit yeah. has a college. It's called Beloit College. Right. But right. But, but the Beloit snappers, it, it's a turtle. It wears a backwards hat in the '90s logo. Yeah, you know it's it's just unique, and it's a thing that town has. And if that goes away in towns across the country, from New England, you know, through the Midwest, through sure, the South, sure. it's just going to fundamentally alter the game. I agree. And, and I agree. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. and what I don't understand is. It doesn't impact major league players, and I get that, and that's who members of the MLB Players Association are. They're major leaguers. Sure. sure. But don't you have, if you're the MLBPA, at least an inkling that you should be protecting the broader base of players to create more opportunities for guys? Because these I are mean, also so. these are also your future coaches and you know your future True. managers, your future front office people. Yeah. And not yeah, just yeah. In, in the pro game, but, you know, these are high school coaches and, and college coaches and the people who will make a difference when they go back to their small town after true, they get true. washed out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I, I definitely agree. It, it, it almost feels like as we're talking about this that, you know, there's always conversation about like, you know, why doesn't the NFL have a minor league? And then, you, you know, you hear people, I think they're correct, say they don't need one because they rely on college to do it for them and they don't have to pay for it. And it almost feels like this is baseball or some people in baseball hoping, you know, not that minor leagues are going to go away completely, but kind of almost saying like, you know, let's, let's let, you know, let's let college baseball be more of our minor league development system. Then we don't have to pay for it. That's just, it seems like a cost cutting move more than anything else. 
I, I think it's entirely that. And I think a lot of what they're saying is either just, uh, you know, false narrative altogether or just the cover story. Well, you know, we don't pay our minor league players that well. So right. pay them better. That no, right. They, right, right. It, There's not this requirement that you have to pay them poorly because there's more no. of them. You could pay them more. I understand the Athletic and SI both had good in-depth stories about yeah, the need yeah. to pay minor leaguers. Well, pay them. The, yeah. You know, yeah. The, the team – and I understand that teams have a budget and they operate on it and some teams like the Marlins treat that budget like the need to sure. increase their bottom line every year and some teams – you know, we'll spend over what they take in, but the right. value of the franchise keeps going up. That's the investment. Oh, yeah. The investment oh, yeah. is the franchise. It's not the year to year, you know, dollar figures over expenses. It's it's not just the revenue that's generated in twenty twenty. It's the fact that between when you bought the team or more likely in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. your, you know, grandfather bought the team. <laughs> yeah. For you know, and what it's worth now, the Yankees when Steinbrenner bought them, first oh, of all, sure. he was the minority owner and somehow kept leveraging his way to more and more control. But right, we're right. talking about less than fifty million dollars to now being worth five billion with a B. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I'm with you a hundred percent. I, I uh, you know, I read the idea a month or so ago. The Athletic had a, the, the story about it, um, and I didn't quite get it then. Uh, now there was, there was one suggestion in it that didn't have anything to, you know, um, but you know, part of the overhaul was moving the, the draft to like July after the college season. Love that aspect of things. Think that would be fantastic. I've never understood having your draft in the, in the middle of the most important time of the college baseball season. You know, you're stepping on guys, you know, in their biggest time. But other than that, it just didn't make sense to me and it still doesn't. No, it's. It's all about the bottom line this year and next, and that's... Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'll see, I guess. We'll see what happens. I don't know if... Uh, I mean, there's, there's certainly some resistance to it, um, but, you know, ultimately, if, if the if the battle is waged between, you know, big, bad Major League Baseball and small-town minor leagues, you feel like you know who's going to win that battle. Yeah. This This could, by the way hopefully become a boon for independent league ball. Uh, it might be. Because, it might be, yeah. Because you've yeah. got these stadiums, you've got these fans, and the owners of the teams own the intellectual property. They own the names right. and the logos. Right. So right. Yeah. maybe you can keep some of this stuff alive, but you're going to be doing it with you know the gym teachers and the part-time exactly. players. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you know, so the quality is, is going to go down some and when the quality goes down some you wonder if the you know the interest in those cities goes down i mean yes you know ultimately yeah people don't go to minor league baseball necessarily to see the greatest players or something like that but still you 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 know the idea is you're seeing players who are better than the average joe and, and so if you start seeing the average joe then it becomes like well what am i really paying my money for yeah uh, well, this went way far afield of where we thought, but uh, that's right. We started on South Point, Dennis Benet. We end up on the, the you know travails of minor league baseball, yeah. and we got to many places in between that. Yeah. We'll be back. We'll talk about what happened with the Lancers, the Devils, the other Devils, potentially the third Devils yes. game. Uh, yes. 
But until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.